Hey friends, we hope this message from C3 Fort Worth helps you see Jesus like never before. And if you're in or around Fort Worth, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday or at one of our weekly dinner parties. But Easter is coming up April 4th. Uh, April 4th. Now I want, I want you to be really, un- to understand what we've been doing and what we're talking about. Uh, because we, um, as we've gone through this uh, season and a seasonal approach to the church calendar, one, I've been preaching things that maybe I hadn't preached in a long time or have never preached. I've got new eyes on it. I've texted you to a few guys this week just saying, man, I, I don't, this is wild, reading scripture now, 20 years into preaching, 40 years into my life, and I, you know, Bible and prayer and worship and sermon, all that has been a part of my life for a very long time. And reading scripture now, and there's just a new fresh thing. And so I, when Pastor Mary gets up here and talks about the green grass, like I'm, you know, it's weird, but a couple years ago, there was someone who came through our church and said, I, I feel like what's happening in your church is that there's these little sprouts of green coming up. And, and it's part of, I don't know if she, he goes, you know, I don't know if you've seen this, but you know, when you, when you see a, a thing burned, and some of it's intentional, some of it's not, where a ground is burned, and it's all uh, gone away, and then over once in a while, you begin to see these shoots of green come up. So it's kind of this continuation of what God's been speaking to our hearts for a long time. And it's really cool to see. And I do absolutely believe um, that there's people uh, all over this city uh, that live on your street or work where you go and, who need to hear about Jesus and need to see Jesus. Amen? And I uh, need to do it in a place where they feel free to ask questions, uh, have an opportunity to worship, and all those things. And so I want to encourage you really, really... Uh, highly encourage you to continue to be inviting friends. I know it's a bit of a unique situation with, with um, COVID and everything else going on there to invite people to a gathering, and I understand that. Uh, so tell them to jump online if they just want to do that. We've got a few people that regularly are jumping online to be a part of our service. Some of them are in our alpha group on Monday nights, which has been going an, uh, just amazing. Uh, we're six weeks in. Jessica, was that Jessica? Oh, oh, no. Sorry. Yes, Sabrina also enjoys it. Um, but it's been incredible. We're going to run it again. We'll tell you the dates on that. I would, I would highly encourage it, whether you believe Jesus or not, or whether you've been here for a minute uh, or not. Um, I think I'd highly encourage you to do it. Just the stories that are coming out of it, even just halfway through. And this coming weekend, I, didn't, I just ask all of you guys to be praying, because this coming weekend is our Alpha weekend. So Saturday from about 8.39 till about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, we're going to be together, we're, uh, both virtually and in person, uh, praying, uh, talking to Holy, uh, learning about the Holy Spirit. So there's going to be really some cool opportunities there. So I'd highly encourage you to be praying for us. Um, so a lot going on, a lot of good things. But Easter weekend, let me get back to that. Really, Easter is not a day. Too often we treat Easter like it's a day on the calendar. The problem with that is that Easter was a journey. And that's why we're in this 40 days of Lent. Every Sunday a feast. How many of you enjoyed going to eat every Sunday after church? It's been awesome. For those of you guys who are going, we've had a good time. We'll go again today. I think, that, I think we'll be okay. I think we'll be all right. There is inside too, but outside mostly. And, uh, and we've enjoyed it. It's been awesome. Uh, we've, 40 days of Jesus and people. So hopefully you're taking part in that. Um, we've talked about last week. I love the message from last week. I mean, I did preach it. I'm a little partial, but uh, I love the message from last week, talking about Jesus in the temple courts, at the furthest edges of the temple courts, flipping tables. Why was he flipping tables? Well, for a couple reasons, but one of the primary reasons is that he was reminding the Jewish people that the Gentiles were part of this. He was prophetically speaking to what his mission was, that he was, he was going to be the temple, and the temple was going to be for people that you have suffocated out of this space by your commerce and by your tradition and by some of the things that you're doing. 
And so we are a church that wants to welcome people, people who feel like they're on the fringes, people who think like they're on the outside, they can't wait, make their way into a place like this. We want to be a church where people can show up. Amen? All right. I want to make sure you're with me. I know I exhausted you with all the worship, uh, but make sure you're still saying amen. So Easter weekend for us isn't starting on Sunday and ending on that Sunday. It starts with Jesus on Palm Sunday riding in on a donkey, them laying down palm trees, some people laying down their coats, and, and welcoming the King of Kings. And, 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 and the same people who were laying palm trees, some of the same people, maybe not all, but some of the same people at the end of the week were shouting, crucify him. Jesus was always one who kind of, he kind of turned things upside down. We're not always good with that. We're not always good with change. And so Jesus arrives on Palm Sunday, and then you have some different things that happen through the week. Every day of Easter week is labeled something. Every day of Easter week is labeled something and is meant to commemorate something. So you've got words like Maudie Thursday. Well, that's a weird word. It's a, this is a strange word. No, you and I would not know that word, but I would encourage you to look it up. Uh, there's probably Bible studies you can do for that week. Uh, but, that's, but then th- th- there's days like the, the, that are meant to celebrate the Last Supper with Jesus and his disciples. Friday, obviously, Good Friday. I- again, another reversal of thought. Wait, wait, what do you mean it's Good Friday? It's the day that Jesus died. And sometimes we can rush through Easter weekend to get to Easter Sunday. But the power of Easter Sunday is in the weekend that precedes it. The beauty of what happens when he resurrects is the fact that he died. And that you and I must learn this lesson from Jesus, that to fully and truly experience freedom. And some people have taken this in the wrong direction, taken it too far. But to truly experience the freedom that Christ has is to die to self. It's to say, like Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. In either situation, I'm good. And Jesus went up on a cross on a Friday. Then they have Holy Saturday. Holy Saturday is the day that you're meant to think about what just happened. And what do you think about the disciples? Right, The disciples would have never ever thought Jesus is going to die. And so on Friday, their king, the one who was going to save them, the one that was going to, who progressively over three years showed them that he really is the one, on that Friday night went home thinking it's all over. Saturday, 24 hours, thinking it's over. And so what we want to encourage you in, in Good Friday and on Holy Saturday and on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, is to really take the journey of the disciples. So we will have a Good Friday service. It will be different than probably most Good Friday services you've been to. So Friday night, Good Friday, 7 o'clock, will be a shorter service. It will not be an hour and a half, two hours. It will be a shorter service. But we would highly encourage you to make plans to be here for Good Friday, uh, that Friday night. This room will look a little bit different. We'll have some things added to the room. I think it will be really cool. And then you've got Holy Saturday. We'll give you some things to guide you through that day. And then Sunday, Easter Sunday. And I believe it's going to make Easter Sunday that much more powerful and, and something that really affects the way we do things. So I want to highly encourage you to bring some people, and uh, it's going to be good. I'm, I'm really excited about it. All right, turn to John chapter 3. I want to get into this because what's wild, I don't, we, I don't actually go through with Donnie and pick songs with him. He, he does his own thing, and uh, I trust him most of the time, and he usually does good. Uh, and uh, no, he, he just, uh, they, they pick those things. And so it's wild sometimes when I come in on a Sunday, and, uh, and I've got a word ready and a message ready. And again, with lectionary, I'm not just making this stuff up. I'm not just kind of going, well, I'll see what happens. I'm, I've, I've already been given uh, a certain level of scriptures, and I'm, I'm kind of walk, walking through those and working through those. We have chosen to always preach the gospel portion of the lectionary. You can look up what that is. Uh, and so we're preaching the gospel portion, but usually all the verses correlate. And I, I just believe that the Holy Spirit can work in space and in order. 
I believe he can work when you give him all your time, and I believe you can, he works even if you only got a few minutes. I believe the Holy Spirit likes order. I think that's why, he, that's why the Holy Spirit, that's why God created things the way he created them. They work a certain way. There are certain things that your body is meant to do at certain times in certain ways. Like y'all just blinked 12 times in the last 10 minutes and you didn't even know it. You probably blinked more than that, I know. Um, my math has been off the last couple of weeks. Um, but I just want to encourage you this, that, that, that the Holy Spirit loves beauty. God loves beauty. God loves to put things in their place. In fact, what he did with Adam is put Adam in his place. And, and, and he said, go with that. Be, do what you're supposed to do in the place you've been placed. So many times we worry about the place and not the potential of where we are. That where we are can be something. And so I want to go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Now this is an interesting one because we've all heard John 3.16. Even if we didn't grow up in church, we've heard the phrase. We've heard the verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. Right? We've all heard that one. And in fact, if you translate it a little bit better, it would, it would, it would, it would, it would say it a little bit differently. Something more like, in this way. In this way, God loved the world. That he. But there's a couple verses, and I, I'm realizing now why this was never, I don't remember ever hearing this verse, unless I read it myself. But there's a couple verses preceding John 3, 16 that, um, that tell you as much about John 3, 16 as 3, 16 tells you itself. But they're weird. Like, how many can just be honest that the Bible has some weird things in it? The Bible says some weird stuff. The more we deny that, the more weird we look. Okay? It, it, it's like it, there, there are some things in the Bible that can be challenging. There's things in the Bible that you read and you go, I don't understand what in the world he's talking about. And so I'm, I want to read one of those verses to you. And then I want to read the section of Scripture that he's referencing. And it's going to get weirder. And then at some point I'm going to bring it back into, oh, that was good. Hopefully. Hopefully I don't just leave you at that's weird. Hopefully we don't just leave you there. And then we might have to sing I Thank God again because it just, it just ties in. Because when we, when we pick one, and I, and I like it, it's a good song. Um, but when, we, uh, when, we, when he picks these songs, and then I come in, and I've got this thing, and they, they somehow connect. Because what does it say? Hell lost another one. I am free. Now, what we typically hear that, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Okay, we're going to read John 3, 14. And then I'll go back to that. Just remember, earmark what I just said. If I forget to say it, someone say, you forgot. And then I'll try to remember what I had forgotten, which could be an awkward moment. John chapter 3, verse 14. All right, now Jesus has been talking to Nicodemus. He's been a little bit confused by, what do you mean be born again? I don't understand. Some people don't understand because they truly don't understand. Some people don't understand because they don't want to. When I tell my children to do something and they go, what? what? What do you mean? I don't understand. All I said was pick up your stuff. There's nothing hard to understand about that, right? We all, we all have been those people who've tried not to understand something to save us, the, the, right, to save face from looking foolish, Right? Oh, I, don't, I just didn't understand. Well, you did. You just didn't listen very well. And so he's kind of going on this discourse with, with Nicodemus around what does it mean to be born again? And Jesus has said a couple things that have confused them. In verse 14, verse 14, this is Jesus talking, okay? It says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness. Okay, I'm just, let me just stop there. Has anyone ever... And I don't, okay, okay, has anyone ever heard this part? I mean, I know you probably, maybe you've heard it, 
if you've read the Bible enough or you've, or you've been in church enough, just as the snake was lifted in the wilderness, so must Jesus be lifted up. Like, we've even heard the next verse. Like, if we're lifted up, all men will be drawn. But there's a snake, and Jesus is like the snake? I'm not understanding what's happening here. And for many of us, we wouldn't necessarily go and research what that means. I mean, I don't really like snakes. Anybody else like snakes? Anybody like snakes? we got a few that like snakes. Okay. That's the, that's the exhibit at the zoo that Meredith doesn't walk through. Right? Snakes, I, I've, I've had a few close encounters with snakes. Um, they're usually bigger in the retelling of my encounters than they were in the actual moment. The, 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 the scariest one, well, well, gosh, I do have a pretty good snake story. I don't know if I want to tell her because it's a long one. It was like a four-day snake story. Like legit four-day snake story. Uh, Scott was there. Needless to say, we lived in this old ranch house at one point as roommates, and we had a couple other guys in the house, and there was a, there, Kate, Scott had heard something when he went to brush his teeth when he had opened the drawer, and he had heard something, and it was a rattle, you know, that kind of thing. And you don't like to hear rattles when, when it comes to snakes, because I've heard that's a bad thing. And so he shut the dress, drawer, and, and no, no, I'm sorry, I'm getting it wrong. He opened the thing, and there was a big snake skin, like a big one, underneath the skin. And then we realized that it was only half of the snakeskin. The other half was somewhere else. I eventually found the other half of the snakeskin, and I put it right at, I shut Scott's door, and I put it right at the bottom of his door so that it looked like he had shed the skin going into his room. And Scott ended up on a chair like this in the middle of his room with a bat. That's a true story. I don't know what he thought he was going to do, but this is, this is true how it, and he was just going to, I don't know what he was going to do. Like, I don't know the thought process. And it, it, but the snake was still in the, in the bathroom, and the snake, I remember, crawled out of the thing. And I mean, the thing was six feet long, just crawling out against the wall. We still thought it was a rattlesnake. It wasn't. It was a snake that uses the rattle, which is a dumb move because all I want to do is kill you now. If I had known you weren't poisonous, I wouldn't have killed you. Uh, but you made me think you were poisonous, so it's your fault. And I, we hit him with a, I think we hit him with a shovel. And then I had a buddy of mine who just went nuts and ran in and just started smashing the thing. And then he threw it in the back of his truck and left it there because he wanted to brag about it. And a couple weeks later, it smelled really bad. And... Uh, so that was a, you know, that's my snake story. So I don't like snakes. I've never liked snakes. I, don't, I mean, they're kind of cool, but they're kind of weird. And, uh, and Jesus, here he is, comparing himself to a snake in the wilderness. And just like that snake in the wilderness, and you're kind of going, what? What snake? What are we talking about? What snake in the wilderness? Are we talking about the Garden of Eden snake? Most snakes in, in the Old Testament would have not been a representation of anything good. They would have been a representation of bad things. You wouldn't have looked at the snake. Remember the, remember the, the, the snake in the Garden of Eden, right? He ruined it for everybody, right? Tempted, and then Adam gave in, and that's why Jesus is a better version of Adam, because Jesus, whenever, whenever was tempted in the wilderness, he didn't give in, and he was able to continue walking, right? Adam gave up what he was called to be and do because he wanted to eat some apples, right? And so, uh, and then, ladies, then he blamed the wife for it. How dare you? And, uh, and so um, that's never happened in your marriage, I know. And so, so the snake thing is a weird, weird thing. Now, before I read the rest of it, I want to just go back. I want to go back because I want to set this up because here's Jesus saying to Nicodemus, who he's already said you must be reborn, and Nicodemus is struggling with that. What do you mean be reborn? I'm born. How can I be reborn? How can I be go- I'm not going to go through that again as an adult, Ace Ventura, this thing. I'm not doing that. Like that. I don't know what you're talking. What do you mean? So he's already said that, and then Jesus makes this allusion to a story 
I don't know if you've ever tried to explain a thing by reminding someone of a story. Hey, do you remember that time when? Trying to explain what you're doing now. Why are you here? What, what happened? Well, do you remember that one time? Yeah, well, it's kind of the same thing. It's kind of the same. Do you remember when you were at that thing and I, this, this, this happened? And so Jesus is actually making, he's making a connection to something that happened that these, these people would have studied the Scripture to that point. And, and remember, to that point, they only had some of it. So they weren't reading the whole Bible. They were reading still, in a large way, they were still reading the first five books of the Bible on a regular basis, studying the Scripture. And so Jesus is referencing a story from Numbers. How many of you have loved going through your yearly Bible reading plan and reading the book of Numbers? It's fantastic. So fun. Numbers 21, verses 4 through 9. Here's the story that Jesus is referencing, and I'm just going to tell you it doesn't make it easier to swallow. I'm just saying. This is still weird. Numbers 21, verse 4 says, Then they set out from Mount Hor by way of the Red Sea to bypass the land of Eden, Edom, but the people became impatient because of the journey. Can I get an Amen. I'm supposed to be in the promised land by now. Land flowing with milk and honey, I'm already supposed to be there. Impatience, hurry, is usually at the root of our frustrations and our sins and the actions we take that we shouldn't take. Hurry. You ever said something to somebody you regretted later all because you just needed to get in the car and get going already? You ever said something because you're in a hurry you want to get somewhere, you just hurry and impatience and, and, and almost feeling like I should already be there, right? They begin to complain about this journey they're on. So the people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you led us up from Egypt to die in the wilderness? We might as well have just continued to be slaves in the land of Egypt. Why would you bring us out of that place? There is no bread or water, and we detest this wretched food. It's just like, I just see a person sitting in a restaurant saying something like that. Just, I, tent, I just detest it. It's just terrible. Then the Lord sent poisonous snakes. Now some would say it's serpents, and there's a bit of a variation of what that means. It's okay. Then the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and they bit them so that many Israelites died. Again, let's, let's wrestle with that one someday. Maybe not today, though. Verse 7, the people then came to Moses and said, we have sinned by speaking against the Lord. Yeah, you said detest. And against you, intercede with the Lord so that he will take the snakes away from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a snake image, bronze image. And this is what's weird about this, because for many, this would have been a wrong thing. You can't make any brazen images. You cannot do this. This is evil. This is wrong. You're not allowed to do this. In Jewish tradition, you would, this is absolute. you can't make an idol, right? So there's all kinds of things to wrestle with. This. So if you want to hit coffee, let's, let's do that. Make a brazen image, make a snake image, and mount it on a pole. When anyone who is bitten looks at it, he will be healed. He will recover. So Moses made a bronze snake and mounted it on a pole. Whenever someone was bitten and he looked at the bronze snake, he recovered. Oh, you all didn't want to say amen to that? You're like, preach it, preacher. You know what? So now we go back to John 3. Okay, 
So Jesus is referencing a story to explain what's about to happen to him. John, in the Gospel of John, he messes with time. In the other Gospels, they're pretty like on point. That's why sometimes you read John's account and you've got a thing that happened here and then another thing that happened here when in the other three Gospels they happened in order. John tends to mess with time because John is being more poetic with what he's speaking to. He's trying to weave together something that makes a, a lot of sense at the end of it. So even this moment may have happened a little bit later and Jesus is a, a, a kind of saying, hey, I'm going to be on a cross. I'm going to be on a But he's not saying that explicitly here. He's, he's saying, so the Son of man must be lifted up. Okay, so let's read the rest of it, and then I promise I'm going to break it down, and then you'll see why I think I might want to sing that song again. For God, okay, let's go back to verse 15, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. So just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For God loved the world in this way, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Come on, please hear that. That he might condemn the world, but that, he, but that the world might be saved through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already. Everybody say already. Already condemned. I always read that really harshly. In other words, I always read that as though there's no hope for you. And some of us read it that way. There's no hope for you. Well, you're already condemned. You didn't already believe you missed your shot. What he's, well, we'll get to this. Already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son. This, then, is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who practices wicked things hates the light and avoids it, so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his work may be shown to be accomplished by God. Now, we're going to mess with time. Are you ready? Okay, so Jesus compares himself to a snake, a bronze snake, lifted up in the wilderness. Some explain away this bronze thing, and I've got no time to do this. Okay. Some explain away the bronze thing by simply saying, um, they're looking at the snake revealed their trust in God. Okay. So, so they, they explain that part away by looking at, when I look at the snake, I'm healed. Now, I want you to think about the cross in light of the story of the bronze snake. I want, you, I want you to think about what the cross is. Because when we think of the cross, what do we think of? There's this big word we use, salvation. And it is that. But what did, how did Jesus look at the word salvation? Even the word itself, sozo, comes from a word that means healing. So when Jesus is alluring to this idea of the bronze snake on a stick in the wilderness so that people couldn't stay here but had to go there and look up at the bronze snake, okay, and they were healed, then Jesus says, I'm going to be lifted up like the snake in the wilderness so that what? When people look upon my beaten, broken, bloody, crushed body, they will be healed. When you think of salvation, do you think of just, oh, I'm free, or do you think of Healing, because the, the, the freedom that Jesus speaks about is a freedom of wholeness. The freedom that Jesus speaks about is a freedom of, I don't have to worry about the shame and the guilt. I don't have to worry about the debt of sin, which is, the wages of sin is 
death. Now I want you to listen about how John plays this word. What does he say? He says, those who trust in him will not be condemned because I didn't come here to condemn anybody. I came here to be the light, to shine in the darkness. And if people would come out of the darkness, they would find healing. Okay, so what is John saying? John says, those who look upon me would not be condemned. Those who will not are, what, already condemned. I want, I want, I want to mess with this a little bit because when, even when we sing that line, hell, we think of this kind of like, Way over there, it's gonna, when I die, I'll deal with it later. But I would imagine that some of us believe we're living in hell now. I'm not trying to mess with what you believe I haven't heard. I'm just trying to tell you that for many of us, when we hear John 10.10, 10, that you would have life and life overwhelming, life abundant, we think of it now and then. But for some reason, when we think about death and hell, we think about it then. Some of us are living in the hell of shame. Some of us are living in the hell of guilt. Some of us are living in the hell of bitterness and anger and resentment. Some of us are living in a place, I listened to someone this week said, man, when I do my Addictions Anonymous, when, I, when he leads that, we have to get people to a place where they will die to trying and trust the Lord and look on the cross because it's foolishness to those who, do, who are not saved. It is foolishness. But someone who looked at the snake in the wilderness and the snake bite went away, it's not foolishness anymore. It's salvation. It's healing. See, there is an element of this walk in Christ, maybe a little more than just an element, that it is looking upon something that other people think is crazy. Why are you looking at, why are you looking at a snake in the wilderness? Why are you looking at a man crucified on a cross? Why would you look at that? And believe that somehow you are saved, set free, healed, made new. See, some of this is an element of us going, I'm looking at Jesus on the cross. By his stripes I am healed. What if we looked at the cross not as a place of judgment, but as a place of salvation and healing? What if we took more people to the cross because we realized it is the victorious cross of Jesus putting his arms outstretched, saying this is the definitive revelation of love and it is a decisive victory over death. Because see, many of us are already living with the snake bite. See, some of us think it's going to be in the future. Yeah, yeah, no, it's down there. And so we say, yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get there. No, what if it's right now? What is the thing we're living with right now is hurt, pain, sickness, disease? What if what, right now we're living with it. You are already condemned. He's not saying you're condemned because I condemn you. You're condemned because you won't look. You won't take your eyes off this and look at that bronze snake. It's a wild change. Even when you read Ephesians 2, when you read Paul talking about you were in darkness, you were, you were, you were dead in sin. He's not saying you are going to be. He's saying you are now. Sin all the way that so easily entangles us. It is the picture, again, we reference this all the time, of the prodigal son eating pig slop. He was, let's be honest, that was, that was his present hell. That was him going, this, how did I get here? 
And if we don't look at the cross as some kind of like, yeah, you are condemned because you don't love me yet. No, no, no. What if, what if we look at the cross because that is where I will find release from the condemnation I already feel. From the hurt I already carry. From the failures that I already carry over my head, carry on my shoulders. From carrying the weight of mistakes, past, family history, the shadows of our life that nobody knows about. What if I look at the cross not as a place that I'm going to feel shame, but as a place where I'm finally going to be released from it? What if I realize I've already been bitten? I've already been bitten. It's already happened. And I'm trying so hard to do this on my own. And I need to look to Jesus, the one who paid the price, not just so that somehow I would be free of the wrath of God, but so that I would have healing because the sin of this world has already begun to make me choose things, move in ways, make decisions about who I am, about what I'm doing. See, here's the, here's the problem, is that we often diagnose things wrong, and so our prescriptions never work. We are so busy diagnosing things right now in our culture. And we should do that to a degree. But at some point, we're going to realize that over the course of human history, we have always been and always needed to look up on something that is higher than we were, different than we were, better than we were, and loving more than we were, and cared more than we, we do, and shared more than we do, and served more than we do, even to the point of death, so that you and I might know what healing is. He took the wages of sin and death that you are presently living in, trying to please people, trying to make it work for everybody else, trying to, trying to figure out all the stuff, and Jesus is saying, no, would you just, man, would you just look on the cross of Christ and know that healing is found just like the, 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 the snake in the wilderness must be lifted up. So must I be lifted up. And they would have immediately known the story. They would have immediately not, wait, wait, what do you, wait, I'm sorry, you're going to be on a stick? I don't, I don't, wait, how's this going to work out? What's going to go on? Jesus is alluding to something that was going to happen in the future. Now, here's what's really interesting, and this is where I'm going to end, is that um, the same word used for the ascension of Christ to the throne is the same word used for Jesus being lifted on a cross. John is not just trying to allude to Jesus' death. He's trying to show you that for you and I, what, is, what, is, what do we hear on, on a regular basis in the gospel? If we would humble ourselves, then we would be lifted up. Jesus, Jesus, at the same time when he's lifted up on the cross, is both being lifted for the wages of sin, being lifted so that men and women could look upon him and find healing. But at the same time, he is being lifted in glory. This is the moment that everything changed. The most painful moment of Jesus' life is the greatest moment of human history. And it has never been defeated. Empires have risen and fallen. And Jesus has stayed the course. 
in every culture around the world, whether huddled in a room because they will be persecuted if they tell anybody, whether it be in a room like this where we can worship freely, Jesus has continually been lifted up and people over and over and over again have found healing in the cross of Jesus and who he was. I will be lifted up what looks like to so many, what looks like to everyone else in some demoralizing defeat no I'm being lifted up because the joy is set before me because this this is this is the crown when I die upon this cross Satan can't win sickness can't win whether it be now or not yet you will have your healing See, because if we don't look at Jesus through the lens of resurrection, we will think it all has to happen on this side of the cross. We will think our healing and our success and all the stuff that we need has to happen on this side. No, that's not the, that's not the, the story Jesus has called you into. The story Jesus has called you into is on the other side of the cross. It's through the death that I might know the resurrection of Jesus. And it's in the death that I find all my freedom. I find all my hope. I find all my healing. What if that was the cross that we shared with people? Not the cross of, oh my God, get saved because you know, someday down the road. No. Right now you need saving from the shame and the guilt. Right now you need saving from the anxiety and the worry. Right now you need saving from the decisions you're making with that person and that guy and that girl behind the scenes but nobody knows. Right now you need salvation. You need healing and wholeness so you can walk in freedom in this moment, right here, right now, not tomorrow, not someday, not just in eternity, but in present reality, I'm leaving hell behind. I'm not going to be bit by the snake anymore. I'm going to look upon the, I'm, I'm going to look upon the crucified Christ and find resurrection life. What if that's the story we're telling people about the cross as we get to Easter? That's where you find healing. And his death is your life. Dead to shame. Dead to guilt. Dead to feeling like you haven't made it because someone else's prescribed identity and future didn't get there. No, no, no. You, you're free in Jesus' name. And I thank God for that. The cross is healing. The cross is wholeness. The cross is peace. The cross is freedom. The cross is victory forever and ever and ever. Yeah, we're going to celebrate resurrection because that's what makes the cross so powerful. We don't run past the cross because it is him lifted that gives us praise and worship. Hey, I got to pray. But some of us have carried sin, shame, guilt, bitterness, anger. Some of us feel like the prodigal son eating pig slop and going, oh, this is not, this isn't it. This is not it. And we get to, end, to the end of a good run, right, where things went well and everything's great and I've got this and I've got that and I've got this and then it's taken out from under you and you go, what? Man, what in the world? I tried. I did everything right. I did it all good. But if we would look upon Jesus, Look upon the crucified and risen Christ. Lord, I thank you for today. 
God, there's healing in Jesus. There's healing in your name. There's healing. The cross is not just a place where we come and try to get rid of some sin or try to be approved by Jesus. Now, the, the cross is where I come to be healed and whole. Where I, where I come to see shame and guilt die. Where I come to see the lies that are put in my head forgiven, gone, done. And so if I want healing, I look to Jesus. It may seem foolish. It may seem unreasonable. But that is the cross. Wait, my Savior, my King, my victorious one dies on the cross? The most humiliating way to die. What? It's foolish. It makes no sense. But that is the kingdom. I will not be caught up in the trappings of this world. I will not think that this world knows what success looks like better than the one who shaped it. I will not allow myself to think that freedom has a limit based upon the circumstances I find myself in. No, I want the freedom of Paul and Silas sitting in a dungeon, worshiping and praising God. I want, I, want the, I want the freedom of 12 disciples who gave their life for the message of the gospel. They were so free. So free that they gave away their present comforts. Because they knew that in Jesus, that's life. Oh, there's healing. There's freedom. Come on, some of us just right now need to change the way we look at the cross. You, you, you have felt judged by the cross. You, you have felt condemned by the cross. No, 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 no. That's not it. You, that condemnation, that's, that was already there before the cross showed up. The cross is here so the condemnation would fall off. The cross is here so that you could walk out of the darkness into the light and live free, hopeful, peaceful. I just want to pray over you. Here's what I want you to do right now. Some of you in this room, I want you to look at Jesus. I want you to think about the cross. And I want you to, right now, I want, I want that cross to morph into a, something different than you've ever seen it as. This is, this is the cross where you look to find healing from a bite you've already sustained. From a bite that's already been present in your life. I want you to look at Jesus. And all you got to do today to walk in that freedom is say, Jesus, I look to you. I want to see Jesus today. I look at you. I got nothing else. I die to try. I die to try. I'm done. I'm with you. Only by your strength. Only by your power. Only in your peace. Only by your grace. Only in your love. Only in your forgiveness. That's where I find life. That's where I find resurrection life. That's where I find life abundant and free. Overflowing. Abundant. Just this morning, right now, just, Jesus, I look to you. Jesus, I look to you. I just believe right now things are falling off your life. 
There's freedom happening. There's healing happening. Shame and guilt is no longer yours. Addictions. That thing that someone said over your life 20 years ago, done. The bite you sustained, healed. Because of Jesus. As you look upon Jesus. So God, we pray right now over every person in this room, every person watching online. God, we pray for wholeness as we look upon the cross. Pray for healing as we look upon the cross. Pray for forgiveness as we look upon the cross. Pray for freedom. Pray for joy, peace. God, we pray for a full heart. God, we pray for a renewed mind. God, we pray for sin to no longer have a hold on us. Wages of sinner's death. But the free gift of God. Come on, the free gift of God. Just to look is eternal life. Not just quantity, but quality. Not just forever, but right now. Freedom, healing. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name.